do believe that's so true today. And that song that you have given us um, over these last couple of weeks is more than a song. I believe it's your cry from heaven. I believe that you are wanting us to have some of the fear, some of that anxiety, some of that worry just lifted off us to claim that truth that we've been reading about in Exodus, that you do open up the rivers. You do open up those places which just seem to be so hard to get through, where we feel like we've come to a dead end. You make it possible to step through. That even when we feel like we're sinking, you make the water so we can step on it. And we think that we're, we're gonna, we've come to the place where there's no return. You make it possible where it seems impossible. That we don't have to fear anymore. Because our God goes with us. In clouds, in fire, he moves ahead of us and we've just got to follow you. And your cry to us right now is come with me. Come with me. Trust me. Come with me. Because you've got a destiny. You've got a future. But the promise that you have for us is in your presence. And so even now as we are in this place, just want to ask, Lord, that you will just push back all those thoughts, all those opinions, all those concerns, would we park them like you just said last week? Would we not let them become that which gives us brings us under slavery but we can be free in you free in you to worship to dwell to enjoy your presence thank you Jesus amen amen thank you Scott that was great hey welcome well it was state you uh, Masters games yesterday, and uh, I've been um, waking up all night listening to a Johnny Whistle. This I played netball for the first time ever. I've never heard a whistle blow so much every time I got close to the ball. It's just like everything I did, it was a whistle. I've been dreaming of this whistle. It's like I, I, I did something, and every time I just blew, I said, what have I done now? She said, you're in the way, you're too close, you touched her. I go, I want to get the ball. It's like this stupid game. And then I went and I, I, I did this. I did what I thought was a hammy um, and uh, it was pretty sore. And I went to a physio and, uh, who was at the stadium and she uh, looked at me and she said, do this, do that. And she said, it's not your hammy, Steve. It's your back. And I said, you just wasted five or six years of study, lady, and a lot of money because I've watched footy. And I know that that's not a back. That's a hammy. And she said, no, I'm sorry, you've done your back. So she manipulated me a little bit, and um, she did a good job of that. And uh, it's still there. It's still there, so I still think it's a hammy. But it's sore, I can tell you. So if I don't move too much, you might be happy because you, so, you won't be sending you to sleep so much. A few weeks ago, many weeks ago now, and I haven't had a chance to tell you all of the story, but Marg and I went to... 
um, Chicago, and then to Haiti. And I'd love to tell you more about that. When one day, Margaret and I have talked about having just a day for those who are interested to find out more of our journey. It was an amazing time. But one of the things that surprised me and I came away with was the importance of a person's presence and how valuable it is and sometimes how we don't value that. We were at, in Haiti and we went there. If anyone's been to Haiti, it's a, it is um, an, an interesting country. It's a country that's had devastation after devastation after devastation, whether it be through the times of the revolution. It used to be uh, a run by um, a French colony and then a lot of Africans. So it's 95% Africans, most of them from the slave era of those, those times when they were over there that populated the country. They've had all sorts of things from typhoons to, to cholera, sickness going through, to earthquakes. And the country is, 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 in, is in a bad place. But probably the biggest thing about that place is that it has a poor government. When you've got a poor government, you usually see poverty. So there was a lot of poverty around. And Mark and I were able to go and visit some families. We went to a lady's house that um, was just by she's one lady and a, and a husband and a child. And they lived in a room that was probably no bigger than my office. Um, and that was her whole life. And and we went to these places, and all the time I felt like I was intruding. It was like I've come into your country from this country, which has so much, and yet I feel like an intruder. And I feel like I'm walking into your space. And every time we went somewhere, the response was generally the same. Thank you for coming. It's like, but we come with nothing. We just come to have a gander at you, right? We're just sort of like... Missionary tourists, that's all we are. Um, just come to learn. And it's like, we can't believe that you came from the other side of the world and flew, not can I actually, 27 hours it took to, this is crazy, um, to get here. And it's like, you came to our place. Just being here was important. I was going to show you a video of Margie. Um, but I couldn't get it downloaded, of doing skipping with a whole bunch of kids in this um, playground. And, uh, and it's quite a funny because I'm telling Margie to jump for the kids to go faster and Mark's sort of like going, no. Um, but I looked at those kids' faces and I was going to get you to look at those kids' faces in the video and just their faces saying, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're Your presence is a powerful thing. There is power in your presence. And we sometimes forget that. But there is power in your presence. We were in Chicago um, just before we went to Haiti to, to Willow Creek. Now, some of you may know Willow Creek. It's a mega church, um, has influenced leadership right across the world. Unfortunately, with Willow Creek at the moment, it's going through a tough time senior pastor has had to step down because of a number of issues um, and we were there at that time when that was happening and the church was broken and hurting and there's some people across the world who were questioning should we be connected to Widow Creek anymore because of the situation and because of the things that the senior pastor had been involved in should we support that and some people didn't go because of that 
and there were questions in our Australian team about whether we should be there and whether, whether we should be supporting Willow Creek anymore. I went into this, uh, the auditorium, and it's an amazing auditorium, absolutely amazing. First time I've ever heard or seen a earth harp. That was incredible. I'll show you a video if you ever want to have a look at what an earth harp is. But it was amazing. But it's a great place. But every time I walked in, I saw all these volunteers from the church, hundreds of them standing at the door, welcoming you, smiling at you. And it hit me as I sat there and I spoke to another guy who was on the trip with us and thought we were talking about the victims here at the church. And our presence here is making a difference. Our presence by just being there because we're saying we haven't, we haven't separated ourselves from you. Your presence is a powerful thing. And the whole time, I wrote down in my notes, there's a power in your presence. You see, we live in an age where we can get lots of things online. You can go on church online if you want. You can go and listen to a much better sermon than mine online. You can go and listen to worship online. You can be an online Christian if you want. But you see, it's the power of your presence which is more significant than that which you take away. And sometimes we forget that. The question I have for myself and the question I have for you today is, one, whose presence have you been in? And secondly, what presence do you carry? What presence do you carry? Do you know you carry a presence? So when you are here and you are hanging around here, you bring something with you. You might bring joy you might be carrying the presence of joy. You might be bringing love. You might be bringing acceptance or you could be bringing grumpiness or painful legs or the pain of yesterday, shouting too much. You, what, what are you bringing into the presence? A church I went to, which was quite interesting, and I wasn't going to use this as an example, but it sticks in my head. When we were on holidays, we had, I love visiting churches. We went to one particular church which is growing and growing in our city, called Kingdom City. And I went to Kingdom City for the first time. And I walked in and even parking my car, I walked over and I thought, there's something about this place, people want to be there. And we walked in and they make a big thing about making you feel welcome. And not, not, the, not the artificial welcome, you know, the real, they made you feel welcome. Well, afterwards, I, we were visiting, and as you do, if you're visiting here today, you're checking us out, and you're thinking of good and bad and the ugly. Um, usually the ugly is behind the pulpit. Um, and you, you, there, and I'm thinking, I'm going to try out the visitor's lounge. I hate visitor's lounges, right? Don't like it. But I thought, I have a go. So Mark and I went to the visitor's lounge. We went to the visitor's lounge. This girl met us, and it was a fantastic experience. Why? Because I got a good coffee. They made a good coffee at Kingdom City. So I got there. And it was, this girl was just so friendly. But it wasn't that she was being friendly. It was that she looked like she enjoyed being at church. She started talking about her experiences at church and her experiences on the mission trip she's just been on. And she was just enjoying the presence of the place she was at and with the presence of the place she was at with God. And as I sat there, I was soaking it up. You see, what presence do you carry? 
and what presence do I carry? And so today I want to have a look and carry on this journey through the book of Exodus. Because I believe that as I read and as I study the book of Exodus, I see more and more God's heart for the Exodus from, from slavery into the promise was his presence and his relationship. That was his heart. That was his focus. That's what he wanted. And sometimes we miss that. We miss that when we read the story. So we looked at the first concept of, of Moses meeting God at the burning bush, and we looked at the idea of what sandals do I need to take off? What are the things that if I'm going to come into intimacy and into the presence and to enjoy the presence of God, what is that that I'm carrying that I need to let go of? And the second thing I looked at was we looked at the, um, which was last week, was slavery. What's the slavery? What's the things that hold me back from going to the mountain of worship? What are the things of slavery that I keep going back to? And hence that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because God, I'm convinced, I am totally convinced that right now, right through ages, but particularly now, particularly now in Perth, particularly now in our community, especially here in this church. God is saying, come to the mountain with me and worship. Come away. I want to be with you beyond all the stuff that we've put in the way. What really counts, he said, is a transformed life. And a transformed life happens in the presence. You see, psychology, psychology will tell you that that the people and the places that you hang around with impact who you are. And especially those that you've been around with for five more, of, more than five years have a huge impact. And that's backed up with Scripture, where it says in 1 Corinthians 15, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Who you hang around with impacts you. It it has an effect on you. Or if you look at Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with the fools and get in trouble. Who are you hanging around with? Are you hanging around with those that are, that, that are impacting you and growing you in the presence of God? Or are we being trapped into some other things? And so as we look at this journey today, and as we go a little bit further along, and I continue to ask you the questions, what presence do you carry and whose presence have you been in? We're going to go to Exodus 33. So we're going to jump right the way. We were in Exodus 4 last week. We're going to jump a long way, all the way to Exodus 33. And the reason I'm doing that is because there's lots of symbolism and there's lots of amazing things in those other verses. But I want to get to Exodus 33 before we go into missions next week because this is a significant part of our journey. Because it leaves us with a question. See, this is what's happened so far, right? The people, Moses has done his, his, his deal, right? We've gone through that. He's now taken the people of Israel 
out of Egypt, and they're on their way. They get to the Red Sea. They've got the army coming up behind them, and God does the real ripper. He opens up that Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. They get to the other side. Their whole army and all the things that have been chasing them are destroyed, and God does that. He takes you out, and he wipes out that which would hold you back. And so they're on the other side now. They're free. They're on their way to the mountaintop. They're on their way to meet with God. They're on their way to Sinai. They're on their way. And they're on their way. And what happens? Because they have something to eat. So they start complaining. So what Moses does is he goes to God. And God gives them food. They're getting thirsty. So Moses goes to God. Give some water. And all the time there's these problems coming up. And the people of Israel keep going back to Moses and keep saying, Moses, why, why, why? And you hear this little song starting to come out. We're going to go back to slavery. Uh, you know, why would you bring us out here and make us die and put graves in the wilderness? We could have buried us in Egypt. Why? Why have you brought us this far? We want to go back. That sounds dumb, doesn't it? You're free. But hey, you know what? It was better back there. Because at least we knew that they were going to get fed. It was hard work, but we were going to get fed. And it was this complaining that was singing out amongst the people of Israel. And Moses had to deal with it. Poor fella. He had to deal with this problem. It seems crazy, but how often are we in that same place? We have these expectations of God giving us things, and they don't happen. And we say, you know what? I think I'll go back. I think I'll go back to how it was. I um, had a friend of mine who had a, uh, a situation where a good friend of his was not that old, and he had a terrible sickness. And for ages we prayed and we fasted and we quoted the promises of Scripture. You know, ask and I'll give it to you. And, you know, he is the healer and we're claiming these promises and we're stepping out in faith and we're believing. And his friend died. Broken, tormented, confused. My friend said, I don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. Because God didn't bring the promise I was expecting. You know, when you became a Christian, you were probably expecting all sorts of things. And I wonder how often you've been let down and you're thinking, I wonder if it's just, if it's really real. Because I had an expectation of God and it hasn't been met. Take me back to slavery. Take me back to how it was, God. Because, uh, in fact, I don't even know if you're there. Maybe you're at that place, because I've been at that place. I know what that place is like. I know what that place is like in the wilderness, and you've been praying, and there's no answers to your prayers, and you're wondering, well, maybe i just go back to how it was. At least I knew that I wasn't going to get it in the first place, and I wouldn't have got my hopes up. So I know what it's like being in there. I've been there many a time. And the people of Israel are at that place. And we come to Exodus 33, and we hear God's response to that 
concern that and that pain of where's this promise you said we would have god i was told that that life would be happy clappy and i'd be wealthy and and i'm not god where's the promise in that exodus 33 open it up and it says It says, Exodus 33 says, it continues to say. Oh, nice because I didn't cut and paste it. I'd have to go on the top here. It says here, the Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. That was my promise. Go, Abraham, Moses, go there. And I will send an angel with you, in fact, to drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Heviites and the Vegemites and the Jebusites and the many sites. They're all going to go because the angel's coming with you. That was my promise. This is, you, you got it. That was the contract. You can have it. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey and be wealthy, but I will not travel among you. I will not come with you. You can have the promise. You can have it all. And I don't think God was spitting the dummy. I don't think he does that. I've read some commentaries that God got angry. I don't think, I think he's just going, you can have it all, the money or the box. What do you want right now? You can have it all. And I'll even send someone up there to do the fighting for you. It's going to be okay, but I ain't coming with you. Why not? Because you're a stubborn and rebellious people. You King James says, you are stiff-necked. Pity took it out of the New Living Translation because it's a great word. Stiff-necked is this. If you were a, a person of that time, you'd understand exactly that terminology. Because they used to have oxen that would go out and pull, pull the, the plows. And they probably used the oxen, the people of Israel, to move rocks and stuff. And the oxen, probably two of them, on front of a cart, if they were a bit stubborn, and didn't go the right way, they would get the gorg out, which had a little thing on the end of it, or poker, and they would shove it in the back of their legs to get them moving right in the hammy. <laughs> Just to make sure they kept on track. Not the back. Just because, and, and, and if they were really stiff, if they really kept going their own way, and wouldn't be obedient, they would call them stiff-necked. That was the terminology. That's where it came from. Because they wouldn't do what they were told. They wanted to go their own way. They had their own opinions. They thought this is the right way to go. The New Testament relates that to religion. Religion. Knowledge. And this is the way to go. But not connection with the one that's moving you forward. And he says, I can't go with you guys. You've got your own plans. You've got your own ideas about what this looks like. So I'm not going with you. See, here's the challenge I think we have here today. Do you want the promise or his presence? If I did, 
go with you. I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, and lucky they told them to Moses first, because I think they may have picked the promise. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you, even a moment I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and your fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from that time, they left Mount Sinai. The Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. I think sometimes in the church and in Christianity, we have been preaching and teaching a lot of the promise. And we claim a lot of the promise. We want the promise. We want the righteousness. We want the ticket to heaven. God, we we want all of that. And we've forgotten the thing that's so dear to God, which is his presence. You can have the promise, but would you hunger for his presence? more than the promise. A writer that I, I, I enjoy reading, because um, he's pretty smart, um, is a guy called Tozer. And he wrote this when he was writing about righteousness. And he was talking about pursuing the presence of God. Or pursuing God. And he says this, the doctrine of justification by faith has been interpreted by many in such a manner as actually to bar man from the knowledge of God. The whole transaction of religious conversation has has been made mechanical and spiritless. The man is saved, but he is not hungry nor thirsty after God. In fact, he is specifically taught to be satisfied and is encouraged to be content with little. And I think the cry to me, I could stop right now and just say, I think God's cry is, would you hunger for his presence more than you would hunger for the promise? Because I think that's what God was saying to the people of Israel, and I think it's what he's saying to the church today. Do you, have we forgotten? Have we no longer hunger and thirst For God, are we too much worried about the benefits of knowing Him? So what happens? We carry on the story of this. So they're in this situation. They're starting to mourn. And what does Moses do? We read as we go on. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at, his, at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face 
depth of faith. It's a pretty, if you, I won't go into that, but if you wanted to work on that one for a while, it's kind of interesting because I think that was put there on purpose. He met with Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend, relationship. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man would assist in him. Joshua, the son of Nun, who would remain behind the tent of meeting. And the thing that I want to pick up here is Moses. Remember, they just had this conversation. He's just said to the people of Israel, you can have the promise, but you're not going to have my presence. What would you want? And so what does Moses do? It then goes into this conversation about him going to a tent. He steps out. And sometimes we just need to step out of life for a bit. Notice the tent was away from the people. It was away from the grumbling. It was away from the questions. It was away from the concerns. It was away from the worries of life. And it took the tent and he went outside to meet with God. On Friday, I had the great pleasure because I love doing this. And sometimes we feel guilty about spending time out because there's so many things to get done right in our busy world. But on Friday, I took the young, the interns out for a bit of a spiritual retreat. And we went up to uh, the Mundaring up here at South Ledge. And we sat out there and I sat with them and we went through some scripture and they went off and spent some time alone and came back. And it was intentional. It was an intentional meeting with God. Now, I, that you can ask their experience, but for me, I sat there and it was just a beautiful day. And there was no one else around because all the interns had taken off to find their little spot by themselves. And the birds were singing and, uh, and the, just the green around me. And it was like you could just step out of life just for a moment in time and meet with your friend, Jesus, because he calls you my friend. That's what we need to do sometimes. All that stuff that's worrying in my head, I need to just park it for a bit because it's disrupting the presence of God and park it there. And if you have to, do the, what I call to the young people, do a dump. Write all the stuff down that's in your head. Get it out. Do a dump. Just leave it there and walk away and go and sit with the Father for a while. Take your Bible. Take your pen. Take your notebook. Don't do a Bible study. Don't do a sermon preparation. Don't do a, a message for someone else. Go and sit with the Father God. Face to face. Friendship to friendship. Because he's calling us to do that. Martha and Mary, the story that we all know very clearly. I love this. Because we all look at her being busy. But it wasn't that she was busy with her hands. She was busy with her head. That was the problem. Because see, there, there they are, sitting. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, enjoying friendship, enjoying relationship, soaking up his presence. Martha's out there in the kitchen, working hard. But it wasn't that she was working hard. She was getting grumpy. And she was going, why aren't you doing something? Her head was going around about all the negative things about what about you? What about, what about? And Jesus says, just settle. 
Mary's picked what's right. Just come and sit with me for a while. Because if you look at the story of Mary and Martha, you go back a few, uh, go further on, and you find that there they are in the house of Lazarus before Jesus dies. And what's happening? She's in the kitchen again, but she's in a much better place because her head isn't caught up with all the stuff that's separating her from God. And sometimes all our stuff that goes round our heads separates us from the presence of God. And we need to step out of it. We need to move away from it. We need to move away from the complaints and the concerns and the worries and the decisions and step over here for a bit and just in the tent with him. So Moses does that and listen to his conversation in the tent. It is so awesome. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. That's what you've been telling me. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know your name and I look favorably on you. It is true that you look favorable on me. Let me know your way so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is very, this, your nation, sorry, this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, now this is interesting. I went through this and just highlighted the you and us. God constantly keeps talking to Moses about you. Moses keeps coming back about us. And he says, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Don't make us leave this place. You see, Moses is saying, I'm with them and I'm hanging out with them. I'm not going out on my own little personal trip here. We're going together, church. It ain't Steve going, it's us going. We go as a church because we ain't going unless you're coming with us. And he says this. He says, don't send us out from here. Where was here? Here was a wilderness. Here was tough street. Here was hard times. Here was the place where they didn't have the hotels and the people serving you. Here was not the place where you had your fancy cars and your entertainment centers. Here was not the place that was nice. Here was difficult times. Sometimes God says, would you stay in the difficult wilderness to be with me? Moses was saying, we're not, don't, don't, don't take us from here if you're not coming. We'll stay here in the tough moment. Would you stay in the tough moment if it meant staying with God? I visited so many people in hospitals and prayed for them and prayed for healing. But you know, when someone's at the place of just about to die, you're not praying for healing. You're praying for presence. You're praying for God to be there. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't that a greater prayer that God would be there rather than the promise of the healing? The healing will probably come because it quite often does. But the presence is more important. And 
Moses is saying, I'm happy to stay in Tough Street if it means that you're hanging around with us. Would you stay in your tough place if God is there? Or would you want to get away from the tough place and leave God in the tough place? Because he might quite often hangs around in the wildernesses of life. That's generally where he seems to be. And then he goes on to go, goes a bit further. And he says, not only did he choose the wilderness. See, it's interesting because Moses understood that wilderness experience. Because if you read in Hebrews, where it talks about Moses, it says, Hebrews 11.24, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have lived in a nice palace. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He could have gone with God, but he chose not to go with God. He said, I want you to go with the people. He chose Tough Street for the presence of the person of God. And then we go a little bit further. The presence sets us apart. Exodus 33:16. How will anyone know that sorry, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? And underline this, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Church, what sets you and me apart? Isn't it our worship songs? It's not the preaching and the teaching. It's the presence that you carry. That's what sets us apart. You see, the world out there and in here, because we're much the same, there's not a real great separation. What they don't, they don't need more religion. They don't even need more communities. Because there's plenty out there, sporting clubs, RSL clubs, rotary clubs, lion clubs, all sorts of communities. The world doesn't need an activity on a Sunday morning because there's plenty of those. The world doesn't need what we've got here except for one thing. What sets us apart? His presence. Do you carry His presence? Because that's what sets us apart. The presence of God on our lives and on our circumstances. That's what sets us apart. That's why we have to hunger after it. That's why we have to thirst after it. That's why we say, we'll stay in the wilderness if it means I can have the presence. Because that's what sets me apart. And then we get to this one here. Where he says, I didn't highlight that one either. Here we go. I'm going to have to catch up to myself now. Put it up on the screen for me. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Carry on. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Show me your glorious presence. Choose his presence. God, I want it all. Show me your presence. You know, if we're going to be people that live in the presence of God, we need to find places to meet with him. We need to be prepared 
to make that our number one value. I, I love you. You read through the Psalms. And David, who had everything. Mate, David was wealthy. And yet he says, oh, I'm so poor, but I thirst and I hunger after you, oh Lord. Like a deer pants for the water, I long for you. Do we long for the Father God? Have we lost our hunger? Have we lost the desire for his presence? Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. We're going to come into a time of communion right now. But before we do, I just want you to think for a moment. Because you see, the whole of Scripture is not about your benefits of life with God. They're there, but it's not about the benefits. It's about His presence all the way through. From Genesis, where His heart is broken because Moses... Adam and Eve can't hang out with him anymore, to Cain and Abel, all the way through to Moses, and then you come through to Jesus, and you come through to the church, and then you come through to Revelation. It's all about the revelation and the experience of God's presence with mankind, because that's what he hungers for. And you see, this, the communion that we take right now is his action of giving up his only begotten son. Why? So whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why? Because it's an eternal life can only be made if you are one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which it says in John 17, that we would dance with the Trinity. That is what this is all about. That's what makes it possible for us to have his presence. It says in uh, Acts, sorry, John, those, John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. I will love them and I will reveal myself to them. My presence will be with them and on them. This morning, my heart, my cry, my prayer is this, that the Spirit of God won't fill your head, but will fill your heart with a hunger and a desire and a desperation that takes you to a place of having to pick up your tent and going and finding time because the presence of God is the thing that I want to long for. And if you don't have a hunger and a thirst, you've lost it because you got too busy, our brains have got too busy, maybe your prayer today would be, Lord, would you give me that hunger and that thirst? Tozer says this, God's wills that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there. This is to be known to us in conscious experience. It is more than a doctrine to be held. It's a life to be enjoyed every moment of the day. What a great comment. What a great statement. I'm going to ask the helpers to bring the bread forward in the cup. Just want you to hold this. And uh, 
Because I, I, I just really want God to touch us today. Not because I want you to touch you, because I want you to know His presence. If you've come to church today and you just wanted to take some more, just come because it's a habit or come because I've just got to catch up with a few people, I'm hoping that you'll just park that for a bit. That's good. But will you park it and go, today, Lord, today, today, I want to hunger and thirst for your presence. Like the deer that is so thirsty. And I don't mind if I live in hard streets. And I don't mind if I have to live with this sickness. And I don't mind if, if it means that you'll be with me. That's what's worth more than anything in the whole wide world. There's a story of a guy that was on the streets, and he was, um, he lived on nothing, and yet he sang a song that went over and over and over again, it was repeated here in our city a little while ago. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And his heart and the thing that kept him going in life was the presence of his relationship and the reality of his relationship with Jesus. And if you think that maybe practical stuff gets in the way of us knowing Jesus, it doesn't. It can do if I make that my God. But you see, David had much, and yet he was still able to push into the heart of the Father. He had more than you and I could ever think of. It's a heart thing. So I'm going to ask now, as we just close our eyes and hold that bread and that cup. What you hold in your hands is the most amazing gift of all. We saw it reflected in the book of Exodus. We saw it in reality in the person of Jesus. And we can experience it because of his resurrection and what it was see the blood had to be put on the doorposts in Exodus so that when the angel of death came along it would wouldn't touch those people that had the marks of God and that sacrifice over their household when Jesus died on the cross it was his blood that has made it possible for us to come into relationship, to come into worship. And his heart and his cry today, he says, before you I've given you everything you need to come into the holy place, to come and sit in the holy place shared with the team on Friday that Psalm 139 is a picture of the tabernacle that goes from the outside but it ends up right in the holy place where you don't say much but you listen lots and you experience the presence of the almighty God his love for you He's
desire to know you. He's longing for you. He's pursuing you. And the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the bread reminding us that he came to earth and he lived among us, God in flesh. And he died on the cross, the perfect Savior, and he rose again. Why? So that you could know him. And that cry of Jesus in John 17, Father, would they be one as we are one? I want relationship with them and with us together. That's his heart's cry right now. God, would you put a hunger and a thirst in our spirit and in our soul for you? That we would just long presence that sets us apart. It's your presence that changes our lives. It's your presence that was your design right from the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Just eat and drink together. team come up we're going to continue to worship but I'm going to encourage you right now you've just taken your communion so I don't want to stop that so we're going to turn the lights down a little bit worship team are going to come up and if you want to just sit if you want to kneel if you want to lie down on the floor done that before before God you do that if you want to stand up high with your hands lifted up because the presence of God just bubbles up inside you and you just can't help but shout out, you are awesome, you do that. But I'm going to ask something else too. If you want, I'd love to pray for you and pray with you probably more than for you. But if you're saying, you know, I've lost that hunger, I used to be, I've lost that thirst for God, because of all the things I've been asking him for. And right now, I want to make a stand today and say, Lord, I ain't going anywhere in life unless you come with me. And I ain't going to leave this wilderness unless you're going with me. Then I'm going to invite you to come up the front. And we're going to pray for you and with you and see what the Spirit of God does. And if you don't want prayer, you just say, you just look at us and say, it's all cool. And you just want to just kneel here in front as we worship, that's all good too. And I, I'm actually going to think, Jade, Jade, can we change the songs around? Can we, where are you? There you are. What song have we got? Maybe that slave song or just something that just takes us, you know, where we want to go. Hey, you're good. You can take me there. So let's, uh, let's just, he's good. Um, let's just do that. Father, we just want to pray now. We want to respond to you. <laughs> we want to respond to you. Make us thirsty for you. Make us hungry for you. I want to enjoy your presence.
you give life.